hi. Hello. Hello. This is Rum Doings episode 152. You can follow us at Rum Doings or you can email us at podcast at rumdoings.com. Jonathan Elias, what is the topic today? The topic today is still raining. Yes, and that it is. No, no, it's not. You're not stop discussing it. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't even know I... how there's 152 of these this awful rubbish and you still don't understand it. When do we discharge our sentence, for goodness sake? I mean, it's as if we're pedos or something, the number of times we have to do this in open prison. I think we should uh, go to the European Court of Human Rights to challenge this life sentence of this podcast. I'm not going to Johnny Foreigner to ask him to give his garlic-smelling human rights law a rub over me. I do like foreign, but I really wish they would get control of their use of vowels. And bendy bananas. Well, I'm not so fussed about the curvature of the banana. It's more... I don't like the phrase fussed about... Oh my it? goodness, you're very particular about phrases today. Oh, listeners, yeah. if only you knew the number of phrases he banned before we started recording. Yes, fast about was one of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't speak. I like dance, though. Oh, you're allowed to use that. Phew. Dance, 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 dance. Ich darf nicht sprechen. Ja. So, you were going on about the foreigners and their awful uh, diphthongs. I just, I just think they need to get a bit of control over vowels. They're out there. They, they've. We, we've got the five, and we use them quite sensibly. Apart from like words like maneuver, where we just lose our minds, obviously. But mm. they've got little lines and lines through them, above them, underneath them, and they start squishing them together and like creating Siamese twin vowels. And it just, it just makes it very complicated for thickos like me. So what you're actually saying is you are not complaining about the number of diphthongs they have. What you're really complaining about is the number of diacriticals they use to represent those diphthongs. Correct, correct. That's just, you took the words right out of my mouth. I did. I shoved my fist tongue. into your mouth, tongue, into your mouth and licked all those words from the back of your tonsils. I'm actually too aroused to carry on. <laughs> OK, well, um, what can we do to... Cope with that. I know. Take a photo. Take get, take a look at the, one of the photographs of Nigel Farage looking askance, <laughs> and everything is back to how it ought to be. We're all limp again. Good. Yes. Um, what's your favourite word, Nick? What's your favourite word? And I don't want you to say that's not like a word that's fun to say out loud, like buckle or something like that. Mm. But your favourite word for just sheer gorgeousness of its wordiness. I've always liked two words since I was at school. Uh, mm-hmm. I've discussed this before, but because you and all our listeners are senile and most suffer from Alzheimer's disease, because they're in a ward and when they play this on hospital radio, they can't turn it off. Um, it's true. The words I like are ananaceous and glebe. Ananaceous uh, means pertaining, well, pertaining to the custard apple. <laughs> That's what you have mentioned that, and that is one. Indeed. What a delicious ananaceous dessert you've made. And glebe, because it's a very good word. Well, it's and a it's glebe- a, parcel, a parcel of land that is given as part payment for a vicar's services. Our, our longest running and most dedicated stalkers slash fans mm-hmm. will know the word glebe from our, from our olden days. Glebe. Thrift funnel, indeed. Glebe's thrift funnel, indeed. So you, now you entirely came up with that name. So glebe, presumably, just because you like the word glebe. Where did thrift funnel come from? I can't remember where thrift funnel came from, but there was a reasoning for it. It wasn't just one of those wacky words. <laughs> there well, was a, a definite funnel was reason. a very Chris Morris phrase to use. But there was a definite uh, justification for the term. I'm not one for all jam, all fish jam. We're just juxtaposing. Uh, incongruent words together is considered sufficiently funny. There needs to be an acceptable narrative, if not meta narrative, about how those words are com- combined. So um, uh, there was a reason, but of course it's lost in the mists of time. Do you know how long ago that was, Nick? It was nearly eight years ago now. 
<laughs> if only that were true. Yes. Well, that's a, that feels about right. It does. No, I was going to say, actually, I'll go with five. Five okay. years sounds about right. Rather than the 17 years it actually is. Oh, my goodness. You could you could have sex with Glebe's thrift on it now and not be arrested. <laughs> well, I guess only if it consented. I, think, I don't think sex is just allowed once someone's over the age of 16. Yes, it is. You can just have sex with anyone over the age of sixteen, and the law can't touch you. It can't touch you at all. No, exactly. No. Go and go. Go and try. <laughs> so, 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 I actually, I'm, I'm genu- you sit with your. I feel like I'm faking the stumbling. I'm genuinely stumbling. So you know, seventeen years. You know, just so so you know, just switch on your stopwatch, and as soon as it ticks over, you're ready to go. But God help you if they're 16 years and 363 days or so, then you're in trouble. But the moment you tick over, all orifices and <laughs> rods are ready for action. Oh, good gracious. I should like to tell you my two favourite words. Should you? Yes. Why should you? Because it's only appropriate. Okay, so the, your favourite two words are only and appropriate. Oh, you got okay. me there. I did get you there. Um, uh, avuncular is one. Okay, because you like uncles. Well, it's just indeed, I can ask other uncle. No, there's yeah. something particularly very sati- and particularly enormously satisfying about avuncular. Again, it's it's a, I know it's a more common word, but it's it's also such a fantastically specific definition. No, but, but also, what's good about avuncular is the same thing as we discussed before. Recording that's good about mellifluous, and that it's the word that describes itself. Mellifluous yes. is a very mellifluous, honey-like word, and avuncular is the sort of word that a good uncle would use. Is that an onomatopoeia? Or is that something else? It's something else. What is it though? I'd call it a um, recursive nominative. Fair enough. And my absolute favourite word is defenestration. Defenestration. Why? Because you uh, enjoy abs- people's window tragedies. <laughs> well, exactly. There's never an occasion where anyone has ever used it in context. No. That's, that's what I love best about it. So in stories where someone is thrown through a window, no one would ever say he was defenestrated. But people no. do use the word. Out- so it's just wonderful. It's a word whose definition is completely useless and, and beautiful that it exists. How's Lucy? Oh, Awful. Has she, so since you've had her insides ripped out and she no longer has the hormonal milieu that she had before, I assume she's now very calm and just spends her whole day knitting and talking about interest rates. That's right, that's exactly true. She's just sat in the armchair now with her, she's put her knitting aside and she's just leafing through the Radio Times. Okay, the Radio, say it properly please, Radiotomies. <laughs> I've never heard Radiotomies before, I like that. Was Victor Louis Smith thing, the Radiotomies. Oh, that's good. Mm. He probably copied it off Chris Morris. I imagine he did. The bitter yeah. old twisted man. He's still alive, surely not. I, th- I believe he's still. Bitterness keeps you going for an awful lot longer yeah. than it ought. Lucy's, was... Lucy's latest habit is to walk into a room and just scream at you, and then abs- want nothing. Want absolutely nothing, and no form of interaction, no attention, no proffering of gifts, no pr- no to- toys or treats or fun or play. Nothing. She just wants to roar her fury at you. Well, she's very angry that you ripped her insides out and stopped <laughs> her from being able to procreate and have sex. I haven't stopped her from being able to have sex. We, she, as soon as she's over 16, it's fine. <laughs> In human years, not cat years. Yeah, literally course. with this ancient 16-year-old cat like I've Minnie got some, was. I've got, some bad, I've got some bad news for you. Cats go round the sun at the same pace as humans. Their years no. are the same. No, they don't. They live in a different um, reference frame. Really? Yes. They they live uh, in a different relativistic frame to us, so Ooh, they don't. That means I can use a word I've learned today. Go on. That is that they have a different apsis than we do. Do ah. they? It's not ah. a word that I've heard used. Is apsis is, is the, the the extreme distances from the sun in uh, orbit? Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, but I might not allow it. Oh. Because apsis sounds too icky. It's also uh, another form of the word apps, as in that little nook in a church. Do you like cuddling in an apps? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, although one is not allowed to cuddle in a church, of course, that's looked down upon. 
You are if you've broken in and it's snowing outside and it's a, a, a TV movie on um, made by Christians. Okay, fair enough. I, I saw we saw one of those over Christmas. The uh, one of the Freeview movie channels um, was playing just it was trying to play non-stop Christmas movies for the entirety of December, mm-hmm. and, and was having to resort to some fantastic dross in order to do so. Because um, obviously they can't afford proper ones, this this crappy little freeview channel. No. So they were playing, and they they seem to have an abundance of these these horrendous made-for-TV Christian-funded films. <laughs> and this was called like the Miracle of Christmas or something ridiculous. <laughs> and it was just a bunch of people who all get trapped in a church on a snowy day, um, and completely improbably trapped as well. Like a kid goes, one of the couples has an autistic son, and they're divorced, and maybe they're going to get back together. And uh, they're autistic, well, of course they so. will, because of course divorce is a sin, so they it need is. to fix yes. that by the end of the film. So he goes off. Um, he he goes out, walks out of the church without being without being told to. He goes missing in the woods, and they can't find him. And they're all working together, even though they were angry with each other before, and they're searching for him. And then one of them has the idea: this autistic son, he's obsessed with bells, and so they ring the church bell to get his attention. And, <laughs> and at the end of this, they find the boy, and he's approximately. 10 metres from the church. It was so badly made. It was brilliant. We were spellbound, but we couldn't look away from the horror. And what was the uh, lesson at the end of the film? The lesson at the end of the film was that Jesus lovely cuddles and don't divorce. Okay, well, that sounds like a lesson that we can all learn well. I listened to Radio 4 last night, and they have that chain reaction programme on where one celeb interviews another celeb. Well, well, no, 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 get it right. They, they, each celebrity in turn is allowed to choose their personal hero who is available for recording on that day and probably also usually on Radio 4. Yes. So, the last night, Graham Linehan yes. interviewed Buckley's Adam Buxton. Which is, I saw, I heard it advertised that it was Karen mm. Buckles, and I was surprised because I thought he would have, Linehan would have gone for Chris Morris, I would have thought. Well, I guess, as you said, he probably wasn't available and refused to talk. Yes, probably. But, but what was very interesting about the interview is how behind the humour and behind the attempts to deflect it, how sad Adam Buxton actually is about what's happened between him and Joe. Oh, that's sad. And, and, you know, he tried to make light of it by making a joke of it for example when he you know he sort of said well do you are you happy about joe's successes am i happy yes of course i'm happy i'm particularly happy that for example joe offered me a part in his film and then gave it to nick frost instead because you know nick frost's big mates with uh with, with and went on like that and said I, of course i'm not bitter about it i wasn't looking for any role in a film that wouldn't have been nice and oh i'm so glad to hear that joe is now being offered directorship of star trek a franchise of which he's had absolutely no interest but he knows that i professed complete interest in for the last 20 years and uh, i'm sure i'll be offered a part in that as well and then it'll be pulled away from me at the last minute for some one of his new friends and one was waiting for the um ha ha of course that's a joke but actually i'm feeling quite fine for him but that sort of didn't come it was clear that this was it was clear this was genuinely an exaggeration but it was a cathartic one and when he was asked about what he was most proud of, he was most proud of the work he'd done on the um, on the podcast, and he was so happy that there was that uh, archive available of what was clearly some of the best times in his life yeah, for him. Yeah. And um, and there were another uh, just little anecdotes about how over the years Joe had been quite nasty in the petulant way that we'd expected of him. And indeed, I think we heard it. Oh, yeah, they, often, they would often have those fights on the podcast and on the radio yeah. shows. And my buddy said when they were kids at school, they, um, they, they, they'd made up a fake company called Joe Ads, mm-hmm. you know, J-O-E-A-D-Z. And that was going to be their production company. And they were going to make films together. And they were going, and, you know, they made, even made up fake stationery for this company that uh-huh. they were going to do and that kind of thing. And then he said when they started making the TV program, started doing the podcast and all of that, he said oh my goodness, Joe Ads is coming true. And then, of course, Joe went to make movies and, and, and Ads didn't. In fairness, they, 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 it wasn't like it was a sudden thing. They made The Adam and Joe show was late 90s and they kept Indeed. going together for, for a good decade. 
Um, it's interesting. Quite... It's like you, you kind of feel like they each hit their limits. So Adam Buxton is a family man. He's married. He's got three kids. I think he lives in the middle of Norfolk. In, indeed. So he's he's kind of created a he's created himself as a as a more of a writer than a as, yes. a, as a celebrity. And I think you know his show on uh, on Sky One Bug or Sky mm. was it Sky America or something? I don't know. Bug yeah. was very good. A really enjoyable yes. show. But he stopped. He's, and he says he stopped doing those. Now he's taking a break this year. And yeah, Leonard asked him what he's going to focus on. He says he's going to focus on Bin work for example either the bottom of his wheelie bin is full of awful bin juice and so on and it's just been <laughs> neglected and that's the sort of thing he's going to focus on this year i imagine that means he's just not ready to talk about the projects he's got in mind for this year probably yes but he's you know he's he's a you know if you were to pick which one is the funnier of the two i would instantly say adam buxton definitely and whose film would i prefer to see and feel more warm and cozy about i think i'd like to see adams but maybe he doesn't have it in him to direct one I don't think he has. I don't think he's ambitious enough. Essentially, I, I, no. I kind of think about how you know, looking at Kieran. Kieran and I. Kieran was was my boss for years, and then you well, know, Kieran's we, clearly um, Joe. Well, yes, of course. Mm. Um, and so he, you know, he was. Uh, he, he was. We were equals on Rock Pepper Shotgun for a while, and and now he's like myth, this incredibly famous celebrity. Ah, but were you equals on Rock Paper Shotgun for a while? Um, in theory, you were, but in 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 sort of primate practice, he'd been your boss for so long. He clearly had airs. Were you really, or did you always feel he was still a bit your boss? Really, <laughs> be honest. Um, no, no, no. He certainly didn't feel like he was my boss, but he certainly had the more dominant personality. There's no question yes. about that. And in fairness, he is the person to whom one should bow in 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 an argument. He knows he's he's be- he's better at the job than I am. Right. Um, so I kind of, I was, you know, but in terms oh, he's of... He's not better, I mean, he's not better at sub-editing. That, no, that he, needs, so, he needs to do all the bowing in sub-editing. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran and spelling are not the greatest of bedfellows. No. But Kieran and creating certainly are. I mean, Kieran deserves all of his success, but I think that's it. I think the only comparison I'm making is that Kieran's ambition is a, is a lot more enormous than mine. Yes. And I think he always knew that he was going to get to this, like Rock, Paper, Shotgun was a stepping stone in some ways. Um, and and he always knew he was going to get to this much more significant, internationally known position. But how significant is that now? Because I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know it in its in its uh, enumerated detail. I know that he writes comic books now, and these comic books are known across the world. But how significant is this within that universe, and then within the greater universe? He's uh, within the greater universe. Who knows? I don't know how big comics are in the real world, but within comics, he's he's he is of great significance he's not won right. an eisner award or anything like that he's not quite at that scale but he uh, will he i i think probably he will probably not right. for a, in a couple of years when he's yeah. work, you know he's gonna he's going to produce a project that's of of, of a scale that, that will probably likely do that but yeah. you know right right now he's contro- writing and, and writing uh iron man that's that's the, one of marvel's biggest properties yes um and he is the guy who writes iron man and See, he's the... You know, the question that needs to be asked, and I've asked this before, is that's all very well, but when does he move into the ka-ching movies? Well, the comic writers don't seem to do the movie writing very often. It doesn't seem to work that way. They mm, tend to get movies. He's, an ambitious, he's an ambitious man. Well, this is true, but I don't know whether he has any particular ambitions to screenwrite. I'm not sure. Of course um, he does. But It wouldn't make <laughs> sense think? if he... It wouldn't I've never make, asked him. But it wouldn't make sense of his character if he didn't. He wants to see his... his his stories put on screen. He really wants that. Clearly, sure. I, I, sure. I, he I, wants, I, I, Kieran wants a big IMAX version of something he's done. <laughs> and if I, he doesn't, got, then I don't understand him. But I don't think I don't necessarily. I think that's probably true. I think it's certainly true of me as well. But I don't yeah. think he has. Um, I don't think he has particularly particular ambitions over screenwriting. So I imagine while he would like it, he probably just doesn't have. The, the, I don't know. I've never asked him this. It's pure speculation. Sure. So which games review would you put on IMAX? That you've <laughs> I don't believe that that is a really translating format. The Candy Crush discussions could go on IMAX. Oh, yes. Yeah, so what, what a fascinating documentary it would be in 3D. So King have come out and so it's all all right now. Okay, they they, they've made it very clear that they don't clone games, despite all of their games being pretty much identical to other successful games. And he said, uh, and also he said, we we are nice people, but we're just defending our IP. And yes, that's, that's right. That's mm-hmm. so, so, that's fine. so. So it's, it's all fine. fine. It's, it's, fine. Fine. it's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's fine. Shh. Have you seen? So talking of Joe Cornish's directing, have you seen Attack of the Block? We've discussed it on this podcast. I can't remember yes. whether you've seen it or not. So did you... I hadn't seen it at that point, but I have seen it. Well, there yeah. you go. So it's appropriate. Did you, did you did you appreciate it? Did you enjoy it? Not really. I thought it was okay. 
I didn't like it too much. I didn't like the, the politics behind it either, but we discussed that at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can see what he was trying to do, and it wasn't funny enough, and it wasn't um, self-deconstructing enough for it to be funny. And it's, 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 it's interesting. I don't know if you heard the interview that he had with Simon Mayo and Mark Kermo, but he was really, really tetchy on it to the degree that that's actually gone down as one of their most uncomfortable interviews and discussions they've ever had. Wow. He was horribly defensive, really tetchy, um, and he uh, quite nasty, actually. And, okay, you don't like Como, but to be fair to Como and Mayo, they actually try to be sometimes too cuddly with their interviewees. Right. Um, and they weren't trying particularly hard to be provocative, but he just, his back was riled terribly by it uh, it's worth listening to if you find it um and uh, just for mm. the, the the excruciating discomfort of the interview and i think you know for all of your um decrying of Kermode's opinions oh, i think tolerable. i think he did i think he did get it right when he said um he he enjoyed it but he just didn't find it funny enough uh if it if its primary mode was to be a comedy, which I think it probably was. I thought it... No, I think its primary mode was to be a horror. But anyway. No, I, if you want to do that properly, then you get Shaun of the Dead. It wasn't Shaun of the anywhere near horror. good as Shaun, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead wasn't a horror, and it certainly wasn't very funny. It was funny. It was lovely. It wasn't. It was mediocre. It was a very average film. and, and it, was a lovely, it was a lovely film, and you're it wrong. It was not lovely by any stretch. I, all the way through that film, and I know I've said this on, before on the podcast before, all the way through that film, I, was, I found myself thinking, oh, I wonder if they're going to do this joke. Oh, I, I bet they do this line now. And then rather than they're having a better line, which is my mark of a good comedy, they just nothing, no line at all. Nothing. Mm. And it's just all the way through the film like that, just these empty spaces, these gaps, this kind of... Flat. It was just such a bizarrely facile and empty film. Are you sad that it looks like the iPods on the way out? I'm not really sad about that. I do want to say before you you leap on something far more boring, um, that the, all of these topics converge in Ant Man. Really? Who is Ant Man? Ant Man is a Marvel comic character who's been going since the uh, the Silver Age, and uh, Joe Cornish is co-writing the screenplay with Edgar Wright, who's directing for the movie of it. Of which It'll be I a bit to... disappointing, I imagine. Well, I don't know, you see, this is the thing. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Edgar Wright's directing, as I've just made clear. Um, but, oh, and Ant-Man is my favourite Marvel character. And I, if I were to be able to, if I were to ever write a comic, it would, if someone said, which comic do you want to write? I would instantly see Ant-Man. Why? So you've got Kieran, Kieran's never written Ant-Man, but, you know, so you've got Joe Cornish writing a screenplay of a comic. So it all kind of comes together at that point. I'm very excited about if that. Why, why do you like Ant Man so much? Because he's such a he's not a hero. He's a he's a scientist who invents. Um, well, there are two Ant Men. It's all oh gosh, it's so it's so complicated. There's two different people who are who are Ant Man really more than that. But over the years, um, Scott Pym, I think his name. I forget all the names. Everyone comic fans will be angry with me. But uh, the inventor of Pym particles, which is a basis of lots of science in the Marvel universe, and he creates an ability, a way to shrink and grow himself. Right. So, but it's all based in science rather than superpowers. Um, but he's also an incredibly... The Ant-Man of the 80s was this incredibly flawed character. He, um, and it got to the point where he was wife-beating. Oh, that's and, good. But it, it, it's, which sounds horrendous, and was. And, and apparently lots of writers are kind of loath to touch him now because of that, because of the, where he went in the 80s and how retconning that is particularly difficult. Well, they shouldn't retcon it. Exactly. Just accept it. That's it makes what he him... Did by far the most interesting of all the of all the heroes sounds like john lennon so of course it was sorry the original ant-man was henry pym i do apologize to everyone who cares. apology accepted and then scott lang is the other one and apparently there's an erica grady which i don't know much about see i'm very ignorant on this subject but he just instantly i instantly find that man interesting he's also is the creator of ultron the uh giant terrifying evil robot that is constantly trying to kill everyone on earth as Um, they do so he's, but what I, that's what's so interesting about Ant-Man is this guy who, and he's, he's, he's so passionate and so cares about protecting people and, and looking after people. And he uses his Except his wife, whom he beats up. Yeah, well, apart from that rather dodgy phase in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but it seems that everything he touches just turns awful. <laughs> and I rather, I rather like that about, about his character. Disappointingly, the next uh, Avengers movie is going to be about Ultron, but they're not having Ant-Man create Ultron in, that, in the movie universe. I find these movies disappointing, generally. 
I have uh, the last Avengers movie was very disappointing, but I've enjoyed quite a few of the, especially Iron Man's one and three were fantastic fun. You didn't like Iron Man two though. Iron Man two is abysmal. Hmm. Have you yes. seen it? No. It features the Iron Man. You can sum up why Iron Man two is bad in one very in one just one scene in which Iron Man and a baddie fly as a dog sat on the ground in some wasteland somewhere or under a bridge or something and Iron Man and the baddie fly past at enormous pace and we see the dog's head switch from left to right as they fly past <laughs> and I think that sums up uh, it was John Favreau who directed it he directed the first one and did a very good job and I love Swingers I think John Favreau is a really interesting uh, comedian and director but yeah it went horribly wrong for two and he didn't get to direct three well and nor should he have been he's got to star in it though which is quite nice though he got to be still involved fair enough uh, why were you being such a horrible troll last night on Twitter, John? <laughs> I really was, wasn't I? What a yes. troll I am. I think it was offensive to real hard-working trolls, as I said, and I mean that. Because now it seems that any time anybody gets angry, it's teleologically retconned into having been made angry by a troll, which is ridiculous. You could be being made angry because you're a person who likes being angry and gets angry at anything at any time. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that you were trolled. It, it's kind of victim-blaming. That's uh, <laughs> an interesting approach to the argument. So what happened was, I I just had, yesterday I had a particularly um, I was very very tired and I had a particularly dreary day of dealing with PRs and and phone calls and emails and and, and editing and blah and this and that and the other. Can you and, give us a taste of why it's bad to deal with PRs? Just give us a little taste so that people can empathise. Oh no, it doesn't. It depends on the PR. The problem with the PR, some PRs are a delight to deal with, genuinely. Um, but the problem is that a PR's job is 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 to uh, get you to cover their game. So they are they their interests are purely their own. But they're never on. They're so rarely honest about that. And it's normally like this would be doing you guys such a big favour. Mm-hmm. And I find all this stuff quite tiresome. And, and in many, and the other problem is their job is to restrict access to information. So they exist to prevent knowledge from being passed on. Yes. And that infuriates me. And, and it's, it's completely the antithesis of what public relations should be. So you're developing a game, you're ready to talk about it, but you only want so much information to get out. And oh, and you only want this one website to get this information and this magazine to get that information. And they're not allowed to share. And then there's an embargo on when you're allowed to put up this screenshot. And it's just insane because it's adverts. It's, yes, of course. It's, it's um, obsessive compulsive control over the dissemination of advertising. I blame the companies themselves for allowing these PRs to gain such a hegemonic control of their output. Excuse me, Lucy is just currently throwing everything off my desk, which I'm now That's fine. Off my good, desk. good, good. Yeah, it's, 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 a sh- it's a shame. And, and unfortunately, this, this is now an increasing problem we're seeing is indies mimicking this model, even though they don't have a publisher behind them. They're well, it's still- cargo cult stuff. If we act like this, then it means we're big boys and we're going to make money. No, it's no, 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 no. I don't think that's it at all. I think so it's, it's more. This is how it's. This is like how the it's like. It's like when Judy plays. Yeah, it's like when Judy plays Doctor. Yeah, it's that. It's that. But it's not you, you, your your version. Your first version was much more malevolent. Um, I think it's yeah, a slightly more not malevolent. It's approach. stupid. It's it's saying if we act like big boys, it means we are a big boy. Yeah, so sure. So th- trying to embargo review coverage of their game and stuff like that, it's like guys, just stop and think. You're yeah, but if you people. actually exactly, if you actually ask and say, well, why are you embargoing this? they wouldn't be able to give you a coherent answer. It's just that they are being a cargo cult copyist. This happened This happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago with Broken Age, Tim Schafer's um, famous Kickstarter project, uh, mm-hmm. where the, the game was released to Kickstarter backers, all 90,000 of them, mm-hmm. um, actually close to 100,000 with what they called slacker backers, uh, two weeks ahead of its general release. And mm-hmm. they, of course, because, you know, so many journalists had to back the game themselves they were getting copies legitimately and they were saying to journalists you're not allowed to write reviews of this game until for two weeks well what do you mean not allowed to where does that come from well exactly so they're saying you know of course they can't enforce well they're going to get the police they're going to get the police to come exactly well and so the traditional publisher model is so say giant publisher x says uh this is this is embargoed information you're not allowed to publish this before the 27th of, of february and you go and put it up on the 21st, well, the repercussions of that will be they're not going to give you information the next time. They're going to withhold, you know, there's going to be a repercussion in terms of your having broken the embargo. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you, you decide what, what's it worth to me. And, and, and in many cases, you're just screwing someone over. So they've got a whole, 
you know they've spent vast amounts of money planning their publicity for the launch of their game and they're saying they're doing you a favor by saying look we'll give you this information in advance so you're ready to go when we want to make it public and then if you go and run it early you're just being a bit of a jerk really and you're screwing them over um so it's kind of in you know you just balance it all out but when it comes to a situation like this where the game is available a hundred thousand people have already got a copy of it and they're saying oh you're not allowed to write about it we don't want you to write about it we want you to wait well you kind of at that point i wrote back saying you know this isn't going to work this won't work what's going to happen is people the players of the game whom you cannot control will write about the game um, and then uh, people will be discussing it. The readers of websites will be saying, why aren't you writing about it when you know I can read about it on these blogs? And then a, a European foreign language gaming site will run their review, at which point all the, everyone else will become infuriated by this Swedish site having the review in Swedish, and they'll run their reviews anyway, and it's not going to happen. Yes. And they wrote back to me saying, well, you know, we don't really you know, it's the best of a bad, blah, 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 and then within an hour said, okay, no embargo. So they were just being cargo cultists. So tell so 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 this is what infuriates you about the industry in which you find yourself inveigled. This is and one so of you, very you, many things. I would like to stress, by the way, that the that the Double Fine, the company who made Broken Age, and the guy who was trying to enforce this are genuinely really nice people. And um, they were again. It wasn't. They're not idiots. No, they were. Tr- well, I, I'm sorry. Not 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 idiots. I I meant kitty fiddlers. <laughs> That's the one. No. Yeah. So yes. the the no the, the it's like actually slightly more complicated with with double fine. It's not just being naive. I guess it depends which where I they think... touch the child. I mean, shut up. It's more complicated. Do shush. It's After not... all, you touch somebody on a knee. It's not fiddling. It's just being a liberal Democrat MP. <laughs> or if you grab them on the boobs in the 70s, that's not fiddling. Either. Yes, it's just what you do. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, listen, I think they, we all understand not... your terrible, terrible life, and that's why you were feeling very I upset. Let yesterday. me finish this. They were not being naive. They were in a bizarre position where they seem to be at the behest of their backers. They have these people who already pay for the game who seem to think they have some inalienable rights to have complete control, and they were just desperately trying to stop the backers from feeling like they didn't get the game early. That was their motivation rather than being naive about coverage. But it, they were still being naive about coverage. Yes. Anyway, so you were you, so you were feeling down about this, and there was a phone. No, call no, I wasn't feeling upset. down about that. I was just ha- I just had a I was very tired, and I'd had a very boring day. And your wife had been pestering you with her virus. <laughs> so I was I'm getting over the cold that she so spitefully. I did not allow it to take over. I just carried on because I am uh, a powerful, strong, and wonderful human being. Yeah. And she was just lying around in bed, whinging, not going to work. <laughs> I imagine the accent Awful. reverted to Solihull as well. Of course, Solihull. She's not from Solihull. Same thing. <laughs> anyway, so I tweeted, every time someone asks, so do you just play games all day, a games journalist dies. So it's just a silly little joke based on, you know, it's a question that people do ask me a great deal. So do you just play games all day? And it's like, how do I... The question is, it's a frustrating question because the answer is, no, I actually work really hard and I do, you know, and I'm, I work very long days and I do... And I'm a bit like Jesus. No, 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 no. But this point, but I do a very trivial and very fantastic job. So yes, yes. I get to play games as part of my job and that's incredible. So the, the essence of your question the, is, yes, I am extremely privileged and lucky. Yes. But the reality is I'm also enormously tired and work very hard. So, so you it, make sure that you do check your privilege, though. I do, of course I check my privilege. I love that you're mm. such a hypocrite about that. But anyway, let's move on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, th- th- so the question is enormously frustrating because it, it, it just makes you want to go, yeah, yes, but no, but ah! Um, and after a day like yesterday, well, I certainly didn't get to play any games. I just put this up. And then in thinking about it, just thinking, gosh, that just sounds so petulant. If someone actually interpre- takes it beyond just the Peter Pan joke and interprets the petulance in there, um, they've got Which you'd expect point. most people wouldn't, though, because you, most you, people you'd wouldn't. expect most people wouldn't be idiots. But I was fairly certain that you would, and I would eventually, when you, when the ghost of Twitter past came to haunt me, you would uh, bring it up. And so, thinking about your voice in my head, I, I thought, yeah, I'll confess to the to the to the petulance in that tweet. And so I wrote to remove ambiguity. Yes, I am arguing that games journalism is the hardest job there is, and we're all breathtakingly brave and noble. <laughs> So I thought, and I thought very carefully about the words brave and noble. I tried to think which are the two least appropriate words to my job. Sexy. Oh, how dare you? Um, that's, certainly, that's certainly not the case. But no, brave and noble are words I don't think that can apply to games journalism. No, um, necessarily, and so I, no. 
so I thought, you know, I and I, I and I really genuinely did not write this in an attempt to troll people into believing that I was arguing this. I really thought as I wrote this that this is so ridiculous, this is so self-effacing and so self-deprecating that everyone's going to understand that I'm taking the piss out of myself. And anybody who calls it trolling needs to be gassed to death in a Nazi gas chamber. Oh, okay, fair enough. And that's not trolling. I do actually believe that. Yeah. So some of the, here are some of the responses I got back to yeah. that. You, at uh, Parsignia, said, uh-huh. said, you literally play games and then write reviews that attempt not to piss off your advertisers. You're a coward. He's got a point there. Now, I thought this, this is the strangest of all of them because we, we don't do that. I mean, the, 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 but RPS is we're far too lazy to be corrupt. Is, is mm. generally our argument, and often there have been so many occasions where we have had um, an extremely negative coverage of a particular game, and then I'll kind of sit at the screen, check my post of this very negative coverage, and then kind of pull back and notice, oh my goodness, that game that I've just slagged off is advertising on the site too. Yeah. It, I'm, I pay so little attention to what games are being advertised that really, the other day someone said, um, I got an email saying, oh, you should write about this game, and I was looking into it, and then I realised it's the game that's been advertised on the site for the last two weeks. Hmm. That's the level to which I pay no attention to the advertising on RPS. Um, and so, but what you know, I liked about this tweet was that he managed to get U apostrophe RE correct. He did, but I did exactly I'd actually hyper uncorrected yes. it in my mind a split second before I saw it was correct. I know. I, I genuinely had to read the tweet. I think I actually read it four or five times before I could confirm to myself that the your was correct. Yes. It's so weird. It my so brain was peculiar. determined that this person should be spelling it Y-O-U-R. With that level of stupidity, it was almost inevitable. So it was, it was such a, but it was such an odd accusation because it's, it's unfounded and actually there's an abundant evidence. Stop creaking. There's abundant evidence of the times when we certainly haven't done that. And I, I can, I can assure you there has been no time when we've changed our coverage based on what's being advertised. Yeah. But the general meme, the general meme is that that's what uh, games mags do. Because they have. Well, I, I really just don't know of any, again, advertise, say PC Gamer. They don't know what adverts are going to be running in the magazine before they see the magazine. That's no, but I, think the the accusation, I think the accusation is not that specifically they'll tailor their specific coverage of a specific game knowing that there's going to be an advert for it, but merely that they'll be careful to um, toe the line at the appropriate level such that um, the, uh, they're not going to be boycotted. So it's a kind of tacit self-regulation rather well, than an explicit moustache twiddling. Sure. Ha, 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 that's the game you're coming out. We make sure we'll give it an 8 out of 10 rather than a 6 out of the agreement we've had whilst chomping on cigars in this back room <laughs> and drinking drunk yeah. Bui. I've never, I've never come across it genuinely happening. So you heard Chomsky's, Have you heard of Chomsky's phrase, manufacturing consent? I have not. That's more of the milieu, I've used that word three times now, in which <laughs> they uh, are imagining things. that Nothing needs to be said but the various sloshing agents and reagents just happen to figure out a way of working together such right. that you're not actually delivering complete honesty to your readers. But what we've m- discovered is when we, we, when we have had companies come to us and say, if you don't do, if, you know, because of this article, rah, 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 we're going to pull our advertising with you, we've written back to them saying, fine. And no one ever has. And so we found that that's the, the easiest way to deal with it. It's just say, fine, pull your advertising. We genuinely don't care. It's your problem, not ours. And if they uh, end up doing that, then you should say, fine. And, and the moment you do that, we'll publicise it. We'll say that you came, you threatened us because of a review and you pulled your advertising and that will become a story. And I think, uh, I think you know, if we could, I, I, I'm wary of that because then you're actually writing about your own advertising, I think is problematic. No, I think you should, you should just say, um, just to let you know that this, because I think it's, that's an important news story to know that there, uh, a certain company is acting in a corrupt manner uh, to warn people, you know, if you read reviews that oh, yes, appear I to think... be too good to be true about this company, bear in mind that this is the sort of way that this company operates. No, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it is a good thing to... Just yeah, to, to make it clear that certain publishers do behave this way. I think Eurogamer have been really good about acknowledging, not pulling advertising, but they've said where companies have said, um, oh, we're not going to talk to you anymore because of this. They've, made, they've actually said so on their site. They've said this company is saying they're not talking to us for six months or you know, whatever silly threat they've given. I assume you do the same. Uh, ne- just never had never had the occasion really. I mean, I, I know that there are certain companies that just don't like us, I and mean, that's been made abundantly. I clear. thought Valve refused to speak to you for a while. Valve, Valve refused to speak to everyone for a while. 
They right. just went. They just com- went completely silent for about a year. It was very strange. They seem to be poking their heads back out again now. Okay. Um, I've had I've had very you know ang- I've had very angry exchanges with people at various companies where I've written to them to tell them to, to tell them that I'm not happy with their behaviour and how ridiculous they're being and that mm. certainly does rather impede their desire to give you coverage of their products but the reality is when we write about their game we're advertising their game however noble I'd like to be about it that's yes. the truth of it even if we're writing say don't and buy they this can game either have, yeah they can either have no coverage at yeah, all exactly. Or... And, and in the end, they know that coverage is better than... Because yeah. like, oftentimes, these companies will be the ones who are making really good games who deserve... I like oftentimes. Sorry? I like oftentimes. Good, good. And they will, um, they will get very touchy. I remember, oh gosh, I, want, I, I remember one time a, a company, I got told by the PR of a, of a, of a developer, um, a developer owned by a publisher... Uh, I'd written this article about one of their games and they were really angry about it and they needed to have a word with me and blah, blah. So I met up with this PR at, uh, at e, the ghastly E3. And they said, um, look, I, I said, well, so what's this about? And they, and they said, they explained the situation. I'm like, this is a company whose games I have written more praise for than probably any other. I've just, their games are fantastic and I've celebrated them many, many times. They made a very stupid decision and I wrote an article explaining how stupid this decision was. And, that was, and their response was to have this giant hissy fit. So I said to the PR, if that's if if that's if they are genuinely upset about this, bearing in mind the totality of the coverage I've given them, can you please tell them for me to f off? Right. She laughed, and that was it. That was the situation dealt with. Fair enough. Good. I find this is the simplest way to deal with this. They, they, mm. They're they're pushing their luck, and if you just make it clear you're not interested in playing such silly games, yeah, you have to stop the game. Uh, there were some other responses that I quite liked. Like somebody said, "Do you, you think you're a veteran or a medical professional?" Oh, so, so the next one was. Uh, block your ears if you don't like the swears someone said I-, I guess it does take a lot of effort to conjure up so much bullshit <laughs> it's, like, I just, it's so odd that, and the, the, okay this is the one this is a joke right would you say this straight face to a veteran to a healthcare professional tell me this is a joke I love the two examples they picked like the job of having once been in a war yes and the job of being a hell a GP <laughs> I think I'd probably argue that with a GP, yes. Yeah, I would argue 120,000 for handing out paracetamol. I <laughs> yes. think I'd probably argue that, well, I imagine that GPs' jobs are hard. They're definitely hard, and especially because they have to deal with so many people. Like 50% of the patients aren't ill, and they work very long hours. And, 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 you know, it must be a very dissatisfying job in many ways. And I certainly wouldn't want to be a GP. But I would contend to argue with them that, you know, they're probably, they're probably not up there with firemen. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Such wonderful examples to choose. Yes. And then somebody, what else did somebody say? Somebody said something like, that. this is the worst thing I can think of. Was it, what was it? There was well, yeah, I've got the next one. Uh, Kazoo Mark II at uh-huh. Kazuhira Kazumi uh-huh. said, uh, I don't know what's worse. The fact that you and others really believe this or your journalism skills. I, I responded to that one. Yes, you did. Uh, what did I say? I said, I can tell you what's worse. IBM's choice of the colour palettes for CGA mode, cyan, magenta and white, or red, yellow and green. And to which and he, he, did, he did reply he in fairness, all right, you got me there, <laughs> which is quite good. Yes. But what it was, again, it's just so incongruous to what I tweeted. And I mean, it they're is. obviously very angry. And then after, so I, I tweeted, uh, I retweeted all of these, and then I tweeted, "This is amazing!" And lots of people were piling mm. in, discussing how funny yeah. it all was, and and I, I said, "People complimenting or berating my trolling." I wasn't trolling. I was making an outlandishly ridiculous claim to point out self awareness. After all this, after it's been explained and so on, <laughs> late in the evening, I get a tweet from someone, and I can't. Oh, I haven't got it in my timeline now because he blocked mm. me. He would have to be on my phone. I think my yes. phone will still have it. Because it was just spectacular. But what was so great about this tweet was that he, um, he, he, he did it after the fact, after it was all done and dusted, and then said, um, and then when I retweeted him, blocked me. Uh, uh, yes, but didn't he say he was going to block you? He said, you're blocked now or something. No, 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 he didn't. There was, there was the only person mentioning blocking was someone being nice or someone making a silly joke. Okay. Said he, he said he liked me. I'll block you. You're the. I'll block you last. He said, which I thought was. Oh, uh, nice. that was nice. Yes. Um, yeah. But no. Oh no! It's disappeared from my plume timeline as well because of the blockage. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, he just turned up to be extremely rude and offended by how 
I believed all these things I was saying. And then blocked me for retweeting. Ah, you came to me! Exactly. And that's why I told you. I said, democracy can't work. We need to set up a, a rum dictatorship. Yes, absolutely. So let's that get ready. Today. It does begin. So, oh, what are we, we going to do with Clegg? Uh, we are going to boil him. In a barrel of rum. Yeah, a big barrel of rum. I and mean, the rum dictatorship has to... That's the thing. The rum dictatorship, every political move has to have some association <laughs> with rum. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Now, okay, I, but I want to ask you, is there... Because you, you've got me... You've actually committed... I hate you. What I'm trying to say is that I hate you. Good. Uh, I hate you because uh, you got me to like uh, harpsichord music. Uh-huh. I hate you because you Roy got Boss me to tea. like... Robert, Robert T. I hate you because you got me to like... Um, Laura. <laughs> that, well, no, you tried to put me off her. Uh, that that's not true. Beans no, and no. butthead. That's not true. No, look, I did not try to put you off, Laura. You were, well, you were vacillating and going on about, oh, I don't, you know, usual. Could I really spend the whole life with this person? I said, you don't have to worry about it. You can get divorced. I know, it was the least fun. useful and helpful advice I'd ever received in my life. Yeah, so just, just <laughs> if you don't like it, get divorced. Stop turning into a big deal. Um, yeah, uh, Beavis and Butthead, obviously. And now you have somehow got me to like 90% cocoa chocolate. Uh, you, you know what I found odd about the fact that you didn't? Your palate clearly likes coffee, mm-hmm. good coffee, and good 90% chocolate is so much in that same universe. Here's the and thing, I think it's finding the it, combo worked the, for you, didn't it? The different, no, it's the difference between what it isn't and what it is. Lucy, uh, will you stop it? But that's often what one has with, with food. I mean, I've, just, just, I've said before that I hated olives until I realised that the thing I hated was the point of them and then you kind of invert your whole expectation of the food and then you start appreciating that which is left as almost like taking a negative and then making a print of it or something. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't work with olives because olives is like someone letting off a salt bomb in your mouth. It's not nice yeah. in the slightest. But no, with the 90% chocolate, I was, try- I was putting a piece of chocolate into my mouth and tasting the lack of that. Yes. When I, when, I re- when, I got, when I learned what it wasn't going to be and put it in, I started to taste what it was. And yeah. I actually learned to, to enjoy. just before this, we recorded this episode, I had a little mid-morning snack mm-hmm. of an almond flour and coconut muffin with, with 95, actually it might have been 85% cocoa mm-hmm. chocolate chips in it. I do like, I do like 90% chocolate with, with very strong coffee. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, that is by far the best combination. Uh, and you know, you have a little, uh, I, I, I have a, I'll tell you what was a lovely combination. I had, there were a few um, macadamia nuts some um uh, a small thing of freshly made coffee and a square of of very dark chocolate and the combination of those three things together was superb i'd yes. recommend it to every but everybody has to stop listening now because we're about to stop speaking anyway and go and make that off you go even though even though macadamia nuts do cost as much as britain you will have to sell your house to enjoy this. No, no, you'll have to sell the bag. island. To buy a small bag of macadamia nuts, the island of Britain will need to be sold. But you okay. can do that. You've got that in your back pocket. Shall we say and goodbye to everybody? I don't, why are you in such a rush? I just feel like, you know... Because I want to kind of have a cup of coffee and some and some macadamia nuts and some chocolate. <laughs> I see. But yes, I would like to report to the viewing public mm-hmm. that I have now lost a total of eight pounds. Really? I thought that you. I thought that you decided that you were putting on weight. I, I was for three days. I put on half a pound every day. Now that now that's and then just, gone. So, so your body was going. That's right. Today Eight I started pounds. off at three quarters of a, a three quarters of a, a pound. I went for a wee, reweighed myself, and it was half a pound. Went for a poo, and then it was gone. It yes, three that... quarters of a pound just from just from dumping. Yeah, but well, so that means you've lost over half a stone. Very good. Yes. Very good, Jonathan. Very good. And Laura's doing quite well as well. Laura's doing exactly. We're, we're a pace. You're a pace. Who's going to win? Uh, I imagine that uh, she is. Because she's she... also doing exercise. Actually, no, life. I'm probably going to win because I have more to lose. Also, um, men find it easier to lose because yes. as you start increasing the testosterone, that just gets you a free pass. And she has the PCOS, which makes it much harder to lose weight. In the yeah, exactly, because that's that's the whole point. Um, so yes. uh, I would have thought that you will win. But on the other hand, if she has a baby, then she's won. So there you go. That is true. Now, I want you to tell me honestly, what did you think of the blog post that I wrote about all this? 
I, I, I thought you needed to check your privilege. Now I wanted to, I wanted to ask you why. I meant to ask you offline, but you were uh, off, off off podcast. But you. Were I mean, I found, I found bits of it. I found bits of it were funny, and it wasn't like I was. Oh my goodness, I'm offended by this. But I thought it was an interesting, um, ha ha, serious look at your relationship with food and what food means to you as a, as a reward and as a comforter and so on. And all that I, I found it quite interesting in that regard. I think you may have been overreading into it in that way, just for two reasons. One, I'm quite enjoying eating this way, and two, mm. this was this was a, a thing I wanted to write ever since I f- uh, first uh, the whole going going keto yeah, yeah, started. Yeah. Reading these websites, I found this one. It was a list of thirty great keto recipes equivalent to things that you might be missing. And it was the tortilla wraps made with lettuce, and it was genuinely <laughs> written. But it was written like. Like that was fine. That that that. But I'll tell of you, course, uh, that's the same. But you're not the only one to say. It's a lot of people who who say just eat real food and are proper proponents of of this sort of thing. Say the whole attempt to try and create ersatz mimics of um, crap food is wrong. It's a bit like vegans who then spend their whole time making yes. vegan burgers and vegan hot dogs and vegan roasts and uh, uh, and vegan chicken drumsticks and things like that. People have as much contempt for that as possible. But on the other hand, um, I think some people do want the comfort of the familiar as they transition into actually accepting that cauliflower isn't isn't Satan. Oh, oh God, that's another reason I hate you. I've oh, detested yeah. cauliflower all my life. And, you know, I re- again, I found out why the other day. I made a stew a few days uh-huh. ago, a beef stew. And mm-hmm. um, I put cauliflower and broccoli florets into it. Mm-hmm. And of course, that, of course, what I ended up with, even though I cooked it for four hours, I ended up leaving it on for for nine hours. And after nine hours, it was delicious. But um, but after four hours, it just I've had boiled cauliflower, and that that's what I remembered. That's what I did, and I put it in my mouth, and I was like, ah, oh, school, ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whereas when I've when I've steamed cauliflower and then coated it in butter and made it delicious. Yes. Oh, actually, there's a flavour in here I can enjoy. Yeah, and also the, the, the what people make a mistake about when they have vegetables is they've been told for so many years, well, the good thing about vegetables is it's low fat and you just steam it and you have it with nothing. And don't put any salt on, don't put any oil, don't put any butter because, you know, you'll, you'll immediately die. So you have these horrible, limp, steamed or overcooked vegetables with, in a slight pool of water. Yes. Uh, whereas, of course, the point of a vegetable is that you do need to put flavouring and fat on it. And... Fat is not just for flavor because it's a flavor carrier, but actually a lot of the vegetable, a lot of the vitamins and minerals inside the vegetables are not properly absorbed by your body unless there's a fat as well because they're fat soluble. Mm-hmm. So for all reasons, you know, it needs to be swimming in butter or olive oil or whatever you want to and have some nice seasonings and so on. And at that point, you get the you get the point of it. But I quite agree with you. You know, so I said, you know, again, I, I need to I stop. I just don't I'm know stopping. what's wrong with you. I'm stopping now. I would. That's it. I'm not saying anything more. No, fair enough. Like, I, I shall speak instead. Um, no, I've nothing to say. You've upset me too much. Tell everybody to go away now. Yeah, get lost, everyone. I hate you all. I hate you more than John does. I hate the fact that I just got to stop the word hate, so now I hate me more than I hate you or them. No, I hate John more than he hates himself, which is really <laughs> impossible. That's extraordinary. It's quite a lot of hate you have for me there. Hey, bye. Bye. <laughs>